born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of um, 1 Peter. Sounds good to me. 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we are. 1 Peter chapter 4. And we'll begin there in verse 1. Remember, as you go through the scriptures, uh, you, you can't spend all the time that maybe somebody would want on every verse. Uh, you kind of give the highlights, you know, a little gleaning here, and a little gleaning there. And if you ever go through it again, you'll glean a little bit more. Kind of like getting all the corn off the, uh, out of the field. And you don't get them all the first time. You go back and get some more, and then you go back and make sure you got everything. Well, I haven't been able to get everything yet. The Bible is so full, so rich, that you, you just can't get it all. And you cannot satisfy everybody's curiosity on everything, because you cannot always explain everything where a person can understand it. And two, is the preacher don't always understand everything. That's why he can't explain it. So sometimes, if you read commentaries, uh, the Bible will shed a lot of light upon all those commentaries. It's supposed to be the other way around. But uh, it don't always work that way. Look here in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. But as he says here, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So God is using what Christ went through as an example for you and I to realize that in this life we're going to suffer. You ever think about this? Your best day in this world, your best day compared to the glory that's going to be in heaven is a great time of suffering. If we could only see what it really is going to be like, you would despise even your best day. Not your worst day, your best day. He says the suffering of this Present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed hereafter. We haven't got a clue of how great it's going to be, how wonderful it's going to be, but great it will be. And so he says, to arm yourself with the same kind of came into the world. He had a purpose. He fulfilled the purpose in spite of all the suffering that he did, died on the cross, came back from the dead, and God said that he had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And he has all the praise, honor, and the glory because of what he's done. Now, you and I, we're not getting praise, honor, and glory while we're here. 
uh, God's going to give that to you later. Now, if you want it now, you have to get it from people. And if you get it from people, then God won't give you anything later. So it's better just to go ahead and do what you're supposed to do and let the Lord do all the bragging on you. In other words, while you're here, you don't have to brag on yourself. Nobody else has to brag on you. You're going to do what you do because you love the Lord and let it go. And therefore, when people brag on you or they put you down, you just keep trucking. Don't let it bother you. Don't get a big head. Don't get a little head. Just stay ahead. All right? No, that's a good statement. I need to write that down. See, every once in a while, these jewels, they just come flying out of there, you know. But he's talking about the rest of your time that you have to live. Uh, look there in verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So a Christian has a choice. You may live for God in the spirit, but in the flesh, the body, you're in this world. And when you get to heaven, God's going to judge you what you did while you were in the flesh, while you were in this body. Uh, look, hold your place here, but look there in the book of Second Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And look what he says there in verse 14. Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, or challenges us, motivates us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, from now on, live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So he's talking about now that you are saved, you should not from this point on live the way you did, but you should live for the one who died for you. Now, you don't do that to get to heaven. Only thing you had to do to get to heaven was just to trust Christ as your Savior. God give you eternal life, and you'll go to heaven whenever you die. But now that you have eternal life, there's got to be a purpose for living. So you find out, well, why did God leave me here? I mean, if he loves me so much, <laughs> why didn't he take me on home? Well, if he took everybody home and they trust the Lord, there'd be nobody here to tell anybody else. Would they? There wouldn't be nobody here to tell anybody. So he left us here for a good reason. And while we're here, you're going to suffer. And with much difficulty... Will you get the gospel to somebody? Remember, it's not the easiest thing in the world to get the gospel to somebody. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, going across the street can sometimes become difficult. Especially living in the Tampa area. You try to cross the street, you get run over. But I'm not about, you can try to, you know, do what God wants you to do, but it's with great difficulty that we, we witness. We're always struggling, and it's, uh, there's a little bit of element of fear there. And if, whether it's passing out tracts or talking to somebody literally, but is with great difficulty. And I'll show you the value of that in just a moment. But anyway, go back here to the book of First Peter. So we talk about for the rest of our time, not to live unto ourselves, but unto him who died for them. So we're supposed to live for the Lord. In the last part of verse 2, not to the lust of men, the lust of the flesh that you have, but to the will of God. So if you want to do the will of God, you have to know the will of God. What does God want? So that's why you read the Bible to find out what pleases God, what God loves, what God hates, what he wants you to do, what he doesn't want you to do. 
So you find that out. And if you will put the Lord first and serve him, God said he will bless your life. And get what he says now. In verse 3, for the time past, this is past tense, so you know that, of our life may suffice us to have the will of the Gentiles. In other words, when you were lost, you lived like a lost man. You lived like a Gentile because you were a Gentile. You say, what's a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew. If you're not a Jew, you're Gentile. And so, he says, this is the way you were. And get this, when we walk in lasciviousness and lust, excessive wine, reveling, banqueting, and abominable idolatries, just a bunch of bad things. When you live like a bad boy, that was you. That was me. And he says, now that's the way you were, but that's not the way God wants to leave you. Now, he can save you and give you eternal life, but that's not going to change your life. See, changing your life is made up of decisions that you make to do what God says to do. So you have to study His will and decide to serve the Lord. And some Christians clean up their life, and some Christians don't. And people say, well, then they're not real Christians. No, no, no. You can't say that. Because you can trust Christ as Savior and not serve the Lord. So he says in verse 4, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Now, I have to admit, right after I trusted Christ as my Savior, I didn't have to uh, drop any of my friends. They dropped me. <laughs> they did. I had uh, a couple, you know, I thought were real close buddy-buddy friends. But after I trusted the Lord, that, that was about it. Uh, I didn't uh, have to worry about them, you know, separating myself from them and making those hard choices. <laughs> I just uh, decided I'm going to serve the Lord, and I, I didn't have time. I wound up going to church. Betty's dad started getting me to go to church. And uh, I'd even go to, want to go play softball in the afternoon or some sport and football. And back then, you, you, don't, you don't do that. So What? You don't play ball on Sunday. Why? <laughs> I still ain't figured it out. But they said, you just don't do that. And so, um, anyway, he had a uh, few things that I shouldn't, shouldn't do. And I, I just did whatever he said do. And next thing you know, I didn't have to worry about my friends. I just uh, kept serving the Lord. And uh, it's a shame a lot of those people, though, never did anything for the Lord. I had a couple of them I led to the Lord later, but they never did anything with their lives. And you, once you've been living for the Lord for a while, you know, 49 years, you can look back and you can see the results of those who heeded what God says and those who didn't, and you can see a difference in their lives. It does make a difference. But look what he says here in verse 5, Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Now, I've always considered those that were quick, that's the living, that's the saved, and the dead, that's the lost. And it may be. But um, there's others who believe that uh, you can be saved, and uh, those that are quick are those that are alive with the Lord in heaven, and those that are dead are those that are still down here. I have trouble, you know, with that. So I, I believe here is just, uh, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? And... Uh, Explain it in the next verse. Verse 6 says, For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit.
So the lost people had the gospel preached so that those who trust Christ as Savior, though you're still in the flesh, you might live under God in the Spirit. And that one day we're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, and God's going to reward us for what we've done, and we're going to suffer the loss of what we could have done and didn't do. So there's a, uh, a, a judgment that's coming. And to realize that after we trust Christ as our Savior, we are going to be judged by the Lord. So you can decide to live for Him or not to live for Him, but these verses go back to verse 2. We should not henceforth live unto ourselves, but unto him who died for us and rose again, so that uh, uh, we have a good reason, a motive, why we should serve the Lord. Now, if you'll look there in verse 7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. But, he said, Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now, let me say something about this prayer. I don't think he's just talking about watching that the... Uh, because of the times in which we live, the, the evil that can come upon us and so on. But also, when you pray, do you look for an answer? Do you pray in such generalities that um, if God was to answer your prayer, you wouldn't know it? Or do you ask God for something that you really want, and then see if God answers? Pray and watch and see. Does God answer your prayers? If God doesn't answer some of your prayers... You might need to pray differently. Now, if I was to uh, ask the Lord, uh, Lord, I need a shoe. And all of a sudden, the shoe drop, drops down here. Now, I might not be able to see God, but I ask for a shoe, and there's a shoe. And I ask the Lord for uh, a plate, and all of a sudden, boom, a plate drops there. Now, after a while, I can become convinced that, you know, whatever I ask God for, He's going to give me. Now, if you ask the Lord, Lord, give me something. Well, you, I mean, you don't know if you got the answer to your prayers or not. You're not going to be confident and very bold. Be specific. Tell the Lord exactly what you want and expect God to do that. And you'll gain a lot more because of it. But he says in verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. In other words, the time is coming where life's going to be over. It seems like it's been a long time, but in comparison to eternity, it's just uh, it's over. When we get to heaven and find out what it's really going to be like, and um, you know that eternity is just one long day, no night there. We all get to heaven on the same day. Isn't that good? We all get to heaven the same day. So he says, there's some things that I want you to see, because you don't have a lot of time left. He said, now judgment begins at the house of God. So first of all, it's going to be the judgment seat of Christ for God's children. And then later on, over a thousand years later, there's going to be a judgment of the great white throne for those that are lost, that did not believe the gospel. So look what he says here. In verse 8, he said, And above all things, have fervent charity. Now the word charity, it simply means it's love. We don't use the word charity too much, except there's charities, and uh, you should be charitable. Uh, giving, and, uh, but it's usually a word that simply means love being expressed. So you have love, but it's been expressed. And because of your love for others, as he says here, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sin. In other words, the evil of others that are done to you, because of your love, you can forgive. 
But if you don't love the person who wronged you, it's hard for you to forgive that person because you don't like them. So you remember, and you'll want to get even. Love does an awful lot of good for you. And that's why you're able to forgive. Because everybody got a sinful nature. Have you ever said something you wish you hadn't said? Well, other people do too. Have you ever said something you really meant? <laughs> they do too. They're just like you. Most people are just like we are. They got a sinful nature. We have a little pride that we deal with. And we got ego problems and we got self-image problems. And um, I don't know if I have a real bad self-image problem. You think I did? Don't answer that. Would you believe it? I was scared to death talking in front of people. I was scared. Uh, you don't, it don't bother me too much now. I, I still get a little nervous, but not, not a lot. But um, he says, above all things, of all, all things. When you read the book of Corinthians in chapter 13, and it names some of the gifts in chapter 12 and, you know, 13, 14, and uh, kind of lets us know that... Um, the best of all of those things is, is love. And if you don't have that, the, the, the gifts that you have are no good. It won't be long before we'll be getting to the book of, uh, in Corinthians about the gifts. And uh, I, I wish everybody could be there and hear that. I usually teach on that on Wednesday night, I think it is, Wednesday nights. But anyway, as you look here, in verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Because if you have charity and... Uh, it leads to hospitality. Uh, love expressed means you're hospitable. It's also where we get the, uh, you know, General Hospital and uh, the St. Joseph Hospital and St. Mary's Hospital and all these hospitals. Before, there were hospitals. People did what they do in hospitals at home. Your families took care of one another. And years ago, <laughs> it's not that... I mean, most of the families wound up living together, and they would take care of each other. And the kids, they saw them getting old, and they saw them dying. And they knew that they take care of them because down down the road, they got to take care. I was always told, be nice to your kids because your kids uh, might determine the nursing home you go to. And uh, now some parents, they get their kids and say, look, you put me in a nursing home, you're stricken from the will. There's nothing in here for you. <laughs> but... You sometimes you just do what you feel is the best thing to do to try to take care of somebody. But years ago, there were no hospitals. People did that at home. They nursed one another. They took care of one another. They showed the compassion for each other. But now it's out of sight, out of mind, and it's uh, sometimes it's. Uh, but it's, it's not free. But people didn't have to pay the taxes that does that now, because then everybody just took care of one another, and nobody was taxed to take care of anybody. There was no Medicaid, Medicare, Mendicare, <laughs> whatever. And you just uh, took care of each other. That was your Social Security program. And that's forced people, forced people to be nice to one another. But then they say, we don't need one another. You don't need each other. Government will take care of us. I heard that on the news the other day. So I know that that's true. Now, look there in verse 10. As every man hath received the gift. 
Now, when you get a gift from God, and that means it means you trusted Christ as Savior, you had the gift of eternal life, but it's not talking about the gift of eternal life. It's a gift or an opportunity, a ministry that God has given to you. God has given to every individual a ministry. Now, it comes in different forms. But he says, whatever ministry God has given to you, do it. Look what he says. Even so, minister the same one to another. The gifts that God gave were mainly to minister to one another in the church. The lost people need the gift of salvation. They need eternal life. But most of the gifts were to edify and to build up one another as it should be. And so he says, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So salvation is a gift of God. Didn't cost you anything. This ministry that God gave to you and to me is also because of that manifold grace of God. In other words, God has given to many of his children, not just one ministry, but multiple ministries. Hold your place right here and look there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians in chapter 4. There's a good verse here that I think will be a blessing to you. Look there in verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, God gives you the grace to do a particular ministry. Now, that didn't cost you anything. Now, you may have to search the will of God and apply yourself in various areas. Do what you can, where you can, until you find it. And there will always be something that you can do better than other things that you can do. You can do a lot of things, but there's something that you need to nail down that you believe this is what God wants me to do. And find that gift or find that ministry. So God's given to every one of us that. Now, get what else he says. It's according to the measure. And then down in verse uh, 12, for the perfecting of the saints. So God gave us apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists and so on. For the equipping of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. For the, and you ought to underline this, the work of the ministry. So you and I have been blessed by God to have the opportunity to serve the Lord. So God has given to us various gifts. Now go back to 1 Peter in chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And it says that you and I are supposed to be good stewards. And it says in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Not popular, not rich, not good-looking, not, not just faithful. Faithfully do what God wants you to do. And there is something that God wants every child of God to do. So find out what it is, that particular thing. Now, you have to love everybody. That's something. You're supposed to witness, but some people can do it better than others. You may have the gift of helps, but some people might do it better than others. But there's something that you do that you'll feel, this is my niche. This is where I feel comfortable in doing what God wants me to do. There is something. 
So you study the Word of God and you get involved until you find and so you look. And your obedience, it's a lot easier for God to steer a car when it's moving than when it's sitting still. And if you're moving, God can guide you. But if you're not moving, there's no place to lead you because you're not moving. So keep that in mind. Now go back here to verse 11. Verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability of We talk about responsibility. Responsibility. We expect a teenager to respond to certain things better than a two-year-old child. The two-year-old child, we don't expect much from a two-year-old because he's only two years old. He doesn't have much ability. But by the nurturing and the ability to teach them things, how to walk and talk and all that, by the time you get to be a teenager, you expect more from them. So they say we have, they have more responsibility to respond according to their ability. When we become adults, we're supposed to be responsible adults. I already hear that sign, you know, drink responsibly, drink responsibly. Well, the best thing to do is just don't drink at all. Drink responsibly. Don't drink. That's being responsible. I don't have to worry about it. But there's things that you get to be an adult, be responsible according to your ability. So how do you respond to the things that God tells you to do? So he says this here, concerning the ministry that I give to you, he says, do it according to your ability. Do it as of the ability which God giveth. So God says he's the one that does this. Now, when he talks about the oracles of God, what in the world is the oracles of God? You might know what the oracles of God is. Mad Magazine? Bugs Bunny? All right, look there in Romans in chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I know y'all know it, you just don't want to be put on the spot and raise your hand because you're shy. I know that. So look there in Romans chapter 3, look in verse 1. In comparison to the Gentiles, the Jews had an advantage. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. The oracles of God is the word of God. So he says, you have the word of God. Speak according to the word of God. In other words, you and I are going to one day give an account to God for what we say. Do you believe, because I believe it, I got to give account to God for every sermon that I preached. Ooh. Everything that I've said. I wonder if God's going to strike out all my jokes. You know, I thought they were pretty, you know, valuable. But God may say, you know, that was a lot of haywood and stubble. But Lord, they were just windows that let light into a dark room. Anyway, we'll have to get all that worked out later, you know. So go back here to 1 Peter in chapter 4. So he says, All things that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So God has left you and I in this world with a gift, with a ministry to use it for His honor, for His glory, not ours, while we're here. And everybody has one. Everybody has something. There's something God wants every man to do in the body of Christ. There's something that God has. Now, some people never get involved, so they never find out. And so they always have that empty feeling. I used to have people saying, Yankee, use me, Yankee, use me, Yankee, use me. So I use them. Then they say, oh, he doesn't use you. Some people you can't win. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.